So I've been talking to people with personal ghost stories. Some people have been reaching out to me over the last couple months after I, I've spoken about it several times and they want to tell me theirs. So I thought, well, maybe I can record it. And then I've reached out to some people to see if they want to share their experiences. So I've got kind of a compilation. We're going to play them all leading up to Halloween. I mean, I don't know what they are. I don't know if it's a ghost, an energy. I I just don't know. I don't know what it is. And you can decide for yourself. I just know it's really interesting and fascinating, and I would love to know what it is. So I hope you enjoyed. Today, part one is Nick Tyson and Eric Payne from the Finding Chemo podcast to talk about some personal ghost stories. Enjoy. What an excellent day for an exorcism. It doesn't matter whether it's in six minutes, six days, or six weeks. We're going to get it done. Six, six, six. I asked the Attorney General and his team to identify for me immediate, concrete actions I could take now. And today I'm announcing several initial steps my administration is taking to curb this epidemic of ghost. Much more need be done, but the first want to rein in the proliferation of so-called ghost. These are ghosts that are homemade, built from a kid. So when they show up, I just have one thing to say. Will you Who shut is up, man? Six, six, six. All right. I so I played the long one. I didn't mean to play that long one. I uh, I had a shorter one that I was gonna play, and I of course played the wrong one because electronics are not my thing today. Gentlemen, how are we? Nick Tyson, Eric Payne from Finding Chemo Podcast. Nick was just here, and now his producer is here with us. Gentlemen, how are we? Fantastic. How you doing? Very good. good. To see you, Michael. Very good. Uh, we're going to tell a few ghost stories. Yes, we are. So let me tell you this. That one, because it was talking about the exorcisms, I've got coming on in the next few days is the exorcist. Oh, no. Wow. I think it's going to be all in Latin. Right. <laughs> right. Well, he's, <laughs> the, he's American. That's the number for the Pope. That's true. I think the exorcisms are in Latin. I think you're right, Eric. Yeah. That's true. Okay. I've Eric, seen the movie. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, Eric, you're the producer. Nick was just on, and he was talking about this new Finding Chemo podcast and kind of how you two met. But what's, what's your version of events? Uh, I, I was in a lonely period of my life. I was uh, cruising the streets at night, <laughs> and I see this tall drink of water. Yeah. No, I, I ended up working at an FMAM combo station in Spokane here back in 90, what was that, 92, 93. And yeah. I was on the air and doing some news in the morning and DJing in the afternoon and that kind of thing. And there was the wacky guy in the sales department that had a real smart, alecky sense of humor. <laughs> so I immediately gravitated towards Nick and we hit it off right away. We had a comedy show we produced with some local comics and friends and some, we did some pre-recorded bits and we just had a blast. And and uh, we're, we're, we are of the same mind for the most part. Same sick sense of humor. Yeah. So when, when the opportunity to put this podcast together came up, I said, well, I'm your guy. I got all the equipment here and uh, I've been producing podcasts off and on for quite a while. And I said, let's, uh, let's put something together. So it's been a, it's been a lot of fun so far. We're getting some great, great responses. We appreciate the opportunity to, to kind of spread the word on your oh, podcast God, yeah. as well. See, when I started, I was going to do it myself, but all I had was a crystal radio hooked up to a, a water pipe in my basement. 
Come on, that's funny shit right there. Come on. <laughs> yes, my father locked me down there. That's how you know. That's how you know you two are too tight. Is when you're doing your jokes, Eric just rolls his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way we are. We should be doing the, the podcast on video. It'd be a lot more entertaining, I guess. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> Nick, how you feeling? You feeling good? Yeah, doing good, man. I had a chemo treatment yesterday, and uh, I'm feeling good. Yeah, no nausea as yet. Um, I kind of float off into Never Never Land. Uh, they talk about a thing called chemo brain, which somebody told me about that. I thought it was bullshit until I looked it up on the internet. And it's where you, some of your cognitive ability. Michael, is that really you? <laughs> anyway, um, I, haven't, have known. I haven't noticed any changes, so we're good. So is that real? Have you, have you experienced it? Not really. There, a few times I'll be talking and there's some word I'm trying to think of, but shit, I'm 67 years old. I think that's natural. Right. Yeah. I mean, that started when I hit 30, I think. I just started forgetting yeah. everything, you know? I wanted, I wanted, I, I swear to God, I wanted this. I wanted to have enough memory loss where I could watch like my favorite shows again and not know. And now I can yeah. do Wouldn't that. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, I yeah. can do that now. Like, I seriously have. For, I can forget, and I can watch him a couple months later. And I Darth Vader is Luke's mother? <laughs> I don't remember any of this. When did that shit happen? Right? So I wished for it, and I got it, unfortunately. So, okay. So a little Halloween spectacular we're going to do here. Nicholas, I didn't know that you were, you were a religious man, and you talked about it last time when we were on, that you said that kind of helped you get, have gotten through the last year. Yeah. And so I asked you if you'd had any experiences with a haunting or spirits or anything, and you said you've had a couple of them. Yeah, definitely. Um, the, the one that comes to mind, and this in, involves my dad, um, my dad died in 2007 and he had a bad heart and stuff. So they brought him home and he died at home. So us kids were around him and took turns watching him. And, uh, the night that he had passed away, um, we called, uh, uh, the hospice people and said that he's just doing that fish breeding that <sighs> like that. And the lady from hospice said, well, he's probably ready to go. She said, the only thing that's keeping him breathing is the oxygen that we're feeding him. So she says, uh, one of you have to turn the oxygen off for 30 seconds and then turn it back on. If he's still breathing, then he's fine. If not, he'll probably pass. So none of the, nobody else wanted to do it in the family. And I said, oh, heck, I'll do it. So I shut it off for 30 seconds and waited and waited. And I turned it back on and he was gone. He died. So he was gone. And then I started thinking, shit, I killed my dad. And I'm like, holy catfish. And uh, I kind of felt guilty about it for a little bit. And then one night, and this is so real, um, I sat up in bed and I got up to walk out into the living room. I heard noises in the living room. I walked out and there's my dad sitting in my lounge chair. And uh, he always had uh, one leg crossed and he'd always looked over the top of his glasses when he looked at you and he wanted to tell you something. And he took his finger and pointed at me and says, don't even worry about it. And then oh. when that happened, the next thing I remember was sitting up in bed and I was sitting up in bed, blankets were off me, but it was so real. I mean, it just made me feel like, wow, okay, it's okay. I didn't kill my dad. Yeah. Oh, wow. When, how long yeah. ago was that? 2007. Wow. Did you believe in ghosts before this? I, I don't I, like I don't believe in the physical um, 
presence of God. I believe in spirits mm-hmm. where I don't believe like a ghost can take on uh, like a physical appearance. I know there's an entity or an energy around them. That's what I believe on that. Because I've felt that with a lot of different things. The only time I've ever really seen something, this is a different one. I had an uncle that I was really close to, and he passed away. And this was in, oh my God, I must have been about 13 or 14 years old. And the phone rang in the house. It was about 4 o'clock in the morning. And I heard the phone ringing, and I woke up, and I looked up in the window of my room, and I saw the reflection of my uncle in the window, like he was standing outside the house. And the phone rang and my mom answered it. And I went running upstairs. I said, who's that? She says, well, it's Aunt Ella. Uncle Leo just passed away. And I went, holy moly. Oh, yeah. no but that was, way. Yeah, but I saw a complete reflection in the window. Whether that was my mind doing that or there was actually a physical appearance, I don't know. But I was so close to this uncle and we were great buddies. We'd go fishing all the time and I'd always talk to him and stuff. But yeah, interesting. Holy smokes. That's crazy. So you believe there's a soul? Is that kind of what it is? Or Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think there's a present. Like people talk about, like you watch some of those phony baloney where they're hunting down spirits on shows and they hear a noise in the background. Did you hear that? He said, get out of the house. And all I hear was, did you get it? So do you think that they can... So do you think they're off somewhere and then they can come back and visit? Yeah, yeah, I think they do. Like you hear uh, stories about doors opening and closing. This is one more too. This is kind of freaky. Um, my daughter, when she was a little uh, kid, used to read books in the corner of our house. And she'd sit down there and i go, what are you doing? And she says, oh, the lady's helping me. And I said, oh, okay, what's she helping you with? She's helped me read the book. And I thought, okay, some kids have invisible friends and stuff like that. Well, about, Kaylee was about a year later, we were over at uh, my mother-in-law's house, and uh, we were looking at pictures of uh, people in the thing, and the house we live in has been in Lynn's family for four generations, and we now own it, but this lady's name was Lottie, and it was uh, the great-grandma of Lynn, and she wasn't saying lady, she was saying Lottie because oh. Kaylee was sitting there and she pointed to the picture of Aunt, of Grandma Lottie and went, that's the Lottie, that's Lottie, that's the Lottie. And I'm like, oh my God. But this <laughs> grandma used to sit in that corner of the house. She had a rocking chair and she would sit there and read books. Oh Not the terrifying rocking chair. Does yeah. she, does she uh, remember that? Oh yeah, yeah, she does. She says... She d- doesn't remember physically seeing her, but she remembers the lady talking to her and told her that her name was Lottie. Holy but Kitty was like two when this first started. We thought she was saying the lady was helping me. But right. it was Lottie. When she put that picture and went Lottie, and, and Lynn said, that's my grandma Lottie. That's just weird. <laughs> my gosh. And there's no way she would have known her name was Lottie. Oh, no way in heck. No, not at all. Holy smokes. <laughs> wow. Eric, what do you what are your thoughts on on the uh, spirit realm? Well, my experience when I was a little kid, we um, lived in a house in, in Santa Monica uh, where my family was from and um, we had a three bedroom house. My mom and dad had a room and then um, my two older sisters had a room and then I had a room. I shared a room with my uh, baby sister. She was less than a year old and I must have been five or so. So our rooms, the kids rooms were connected by a closet, right? So you had a door on each side and then the closet. And when, when my parents put us to sleep uh, each night, they would close the doors and shut off the lights and that was it. Well, my mom, I, I, I clearly can still remember my mom 
asking my older sister one morning at breakfast, why did you get up and open the closet doors? And she goes, I didn't. I was sound asleep. Why would I open the closet door? That's my that's my dumb brother. I don't want to go talk to him. Right. <laughs> so she's like, okay, well, that's kind of weird. And she thought maybe my dad had gone through and to check on us or something like that and didn't think anything of it. Well, about a week later, um, the same thing happened again. And my mom goes, this is, again, all of us sitting around a breakfast table. My mom is talking to my dad. And she goes, were you in the kids' room the other night checking on them? The closet doors were open again. The closet light was on. He goes, no, I wasn't in there. And um, so my mom was really kind of going, hmm, this is really strange. So she happens to be talking to our next-door neighbor, who ended up being one of my best friends, the kid of the family. Mm-hmm. And they had lived there for about 30 years, that, that, that family. And so she goes, well, that must be Fred. And my mom goes, well, who's Fred? She goes, well, when you guys bought the house... Um, the couple that lived there, it was Fred and his wife. They had raised their kids there and his wife got ill later in life. And so he took a different bedroom from her so she could get in there and get some rest and he could stay up and read and do whatever he was doing. But he would always go in to check on her. And that was the connecting closet for her room. So he would go in, he would turn on the closet light. And she knew then because they had lived next door to each other for years. Wow. She would go in there. Fred would go in there and turn on the light and he would check on his wife. And he'd leave the door cracked, you know, so he could hear her if she needed him at night. And But he was a very sweet guy. He ended up passing away. And this is my mom telling me the story later in life. You know, yeah. I was just a little kid. And, of course, she didn't want to scare me. Right. And she goes, after we found that out, we didn't worry about it. That was just Fred. And we left the doors open. And we left the light on if you wanted it on. And it was a very peaceful, a very peaceful thing. But to find out that that's the way that their bedrooms were set up. And that's what had been happening. Um, it wow. took a lot of pressure. She was starting to get freaked out. But when she heard the story, she's like, oh, okay, it's just Fred. So to this day, we always we always talk about Fred oh forty years later. Gosh. You know. Did that continue? That like? Did it yeah, continue? and then we, we ended up moving to uh, to Northern Virginia. My dad uh, got a job, and we all we all moved to Northern Virginia. We had this house that was built in 1846. It was a schoolhouse, which had been converted in the uh, 70s to a residential house. But it was this great big sprawling one room, not, not one room, one building schoolhouse. Very colonial. It's the kind of thing you would see uh, in deep South Virginia. Mm-hmm. And um, we uh, we all had our rooms. And my dad came to us and he said, were you guys screwing around in the living room last night? I heard a bunch of people in there talking. I go, no, dad, we weren't. He goes, well, I guess you're right. Because it was, we heard the year, he could hear the low murmur of a, a group of adults. Like you would hear a PTA meeting in the other room with the door closed. I said, well, that wasn't us. And he heard all of these weird voices. None of us had ever heard anything. Well, it turns out, and we found this out later after he had done research on the house, because it was a fascinating old building. The house had been used as a civil, as a hospital during the civil war. And wow. that's why, that's why all the hardwood floors in the biggest room had weren't that old they had been replaced they were all they had all been blood soaked that was the operating room oh so they brought them there used it as a hospital all these you can imagine all the people who lost limbs who just died there or to come in bleeding all over everything oh yeah our friends come to visit us and stay for a couple of nights and uh we put them in my oldest my again my oldest sister uh put them in her room just because they were staying for a couple of nights. And then, uh, and, and, and the woman comes in and asks my dad, were you taking flash pictures last night in the hallway or were you outside taking flash pictures? And he goes, no. She goes, well, we have these bright flashes in our room. He goes, well, there's a major route going in front of the house. Maybe that's, you know, she goes, no, it wasn't traffic. We just saw these bright flashes in the room. And we thought you was, it was just you. Cause my dad was into photography and all that stuff, video production. And, uh, he goes, no, I never, uh, she goes, I could have sworn it was someone right outside the room with a flash bulb taking oh. flash pictures. Isn't that creepy? Yeah. So between the voices and the flashes and uh, the fact that it was a blood soaked civil war hospital, Wow. Uh, I had a chance to go back about three years ago. We went back to visit my my folks back in Virginia, and I took the kid my I took my kids there, 
I said, yeah, this is, this is one of the houses I grew up in. I walked around the place and I got the strangest vibe. It was sort of a welcome back, but uh, we have our secrets kind of vibe from the house. And you can see the house was old, smells old. 1846, it was built. So that was kind of a, that was kind of an interesting yeah. place. Yeah. The schoolhouse. We always talk about Fred and the schoolhouse. Two different places, but kind of kind of weird stories. That's wow, crazy. that is. What do you, what are your thoughts on it? Do you believe in the spirits, or does this make you a believer? Or what do you what are your thoughts on it? Do you think it's well, an you know, knowing that yeah, knowing that hundreds of people had must have come through there during the Civil War and been operated on or died there. Um, just the energy of the place, you, you, you couldn't help but think that there was some energy absorbed by that place or some, un, oh, yeah. some unrest going on in the, in, the, in the aura, if you will. So I never really saw anything, but after hearing these stories and just and kind of being generally creeped out by the place, even as a kid, um, and my parents tried to make it as warm and, and home-like as possible, but it was still this big old cavernous schoolhouse. Uh, I don't know. It's, too, it's weird. And then you have people who don't know anything about the history of the building coming and saying they saw flashes in the middle of the night that were bright yeah. enough to wake them up and freak them out. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you, how do you not, how do you not think, well, there's, there's gotta be something else out there. There's gotta be some, not necessarily another dimension, but just a, uh, something in the timeline where things overlap sometimes. Yeah. And, again, harmless, I guess, but yeah, I think my dad, my dad was a physics professor and we were talking before he died and I asked him if he believed in an afterlife, if he believed in God. And he said, well, from my science perspective, he said, I look at things that nature created and all that. But he says, if you look at the human eye or the human ear, there's got to be a higher power that did that kind of stuff. But I was asking him about ghosts and he said, well, he said, people are full, are, are, have energy. They're full of energy and energy cannot be destroyed. You can't destroy energy and it's mm -hmm. got to go somewhere. And that's kind of what I think. I know uh, this is a story about the house we live in now. My wife, uh, it's been in there. It's, the house was built in 1906. So she's got a long family history there. And Lynn woke me up one night and she said, do you hear that? And I said, what? She goes, just listen. And it sounded like cards being shuffled. Just that Right. I mean, from upstairs, we have an apartment upstairs, but at that time it was vacant, but her uncle lived upstairs when her family lived there and he played solitaire all the time. But for about five, 10 minutes, we had just heard that. Oh, way. Yeah. And it sounded like cards being shuffled. And Lynn said, go up there and check it out. I go, I'm not going up there. <laughs> Unless it's he wants to play a hard game of slapjack. <laughs> Not in the cards for me, thank you. Wow. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. So your dad yeah. says energy can't be destroyed. So what were his thoughts on it? Do you know? Did you ever get his opinion? Yeah, he just said he believes in uh, ghosts like there's energy around that can possibly move things or be around. And like I said, energy cannot be destroyed. Some people believe it's a soul. Like Christians believe you have a soul, the soul goes to heaven. But still, like with Eric's story about the, uh, the hospital, energy's got to be there somewhere. And yeah, it's got to be around. I believe firmly in that, that. Like I don't believe in the physical appearance of seeing a ghost on that, but I believe spirits and energy can be around and they can attract you or, you know, talk to you. Right. So- Eric, you reminded me of, actually, because you both did, you kind of reminded me of it when you were talking about your daughter. So my son, when he was about four, I think he was four, we went to Washington, D.C. over to, uh, or to Virginia, to Mount Vernon, uh, sure, George Washington. Yeah. So we do the tour. You know how nobody guides you. You just kind of free walk and, 
right. go in. So we're going through the house and we're walking and it was just me, my wife, and my son. And we were pretty much the only ones in there. There was I think there was an usher on the stairs to kind of guide you. So we're upstairs, we we peek in each room, and my wife kind of goes off ahead a little bit, and it was just me and my son Mason. And he tugs on on my shirt and he goes, Dad, that's where he died? And I said, Is that where who died? And he goes, I don't know, the guy, the guy with white hair. And I go, I go, there's nobody else in there. And I go, what do you, what do you mean? Who is it? And he, and he goes, I don't know. And I go, does he have long white hair? And he says, yeah. And I said, was it George Washington? And he doesn't know, you know, he's four. He doesn't know who the hell George Washington is. And he goes, he goes, I guess, I don't know. And I said, well, why do you think he died in there? And he said, cause he just told me. And I said, wow. the guy with white hair just told you that he died in there. And he said, yeah. And I went, oh, okay. And I'm like, you know, I'm kind of freaking out a little bit because I didn't believe in, I, I didn't believe in it before this. And so I go over to my wife and I tell her what happened. And she goes, holy crap. And she goes and asks the usher and says, did George Washington die in this house by chance? And they pointed to the room that we were just at and said, actually, that's the exact bed and room that he died in. Wow. You know, there's something about things like that coming unfiltered through a child. Right. Where you know they don't really understand the history. They don't, they're just asking a question. That guy told me that he died in here. Yeah. What's it was, up with that? They're not trying to pull one over on you. Right. And it was just matter of something. fact. Yeah. Yeah. And there's his tomb right there at the house too. He's still there too. You know? Yeah. Him and Martha so, are, bar- are, yeah, they're right, right off on the, right on the property. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Wow. What yeah. a story. Yeah. How, how old is he now? Have you told him what the deal was? Yeah. Now? He's, he's nine now. So he remembered it for probably a good couple of years. And I just asked him about it probably six months ago and he has no recollection of it. He doesn't remember. Wow. And that's yeah. something. Yeah. I got one more. Uh, when I was a kid, there was a convenience store down the street from us. And I used to go in there all the time. And one time I was about probably seven, eight years old. I stole a Tootsie Roll and I took it home. And then I found out this is about 10 years later that that guy had passed away. And uh, you I killed woke, him. <laughs> I woke up one night and he was standing there and he said, you owe me nickel for the Tootsie Roll, you son of a bitch. I kill you now. <laughs> That's a lie. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking serious supernatural event. All right. Yeah, we were having a moment. <laughs> Pretty wild. Yeah, ghost stories and stuff like that. I mean, uh, I, I believe firmly in that. Like I said, I don't believe in the physical presence. Right. But you can uh, feel a presence or the energies around you. I think that's, yeah, a lot of that. Yeah. I, I mean, I still, I don't know what to make of it. I I and I really like hearing about it or watching it, but that but the 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 time with my son that I cannot I I can't explain it in any way, and I've tried so hard to explain it, and I sure. cannot. Yeah. Well, I I think everybody believes, or most people believe, in something else that is unseen. Because look at how popular all of the genres are with ghost stories and horror stories, and uh, from beyond the grave and all that stuff. It's a it's a basic human fascination with the afterlife and uh, our own mortality, and it's it's uh it's 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 cool. Oh it God, is. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I'm a firm believer in it. I mean, yeah, like I said, some of, like I said, some of those phony baloney shows on TV where they're investigating stuff. You got the green filter, night vision. Yeah. You know. Did you hear that? I just, blah, 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 blah. He said, "Get out of the house, and we'll kill all of you." He didn't say that. He said, blah, blah. <laughs> "Earlier, I was talking to uh, his name's Chuck. He does he does all the ghost investigations. He had 
he's he's had a couple different shows, but he was talking about the same thing where they they say they've been they're getting attacked when they just tripped or something, and they're just so embarrassed because they just tripped oh, on yeah. their own foot and they can't get, you know. So they're trying to oh, I got attacked! Holy, get out of here! You know that kind of stuff. <laughs> I just felt a I just felt a warm breeze all over me. Sorry, I had a burrito before we came in here. <laughs> you gotta have something happen, or there's no show to watch. If nothing happens, yeah. make something up. I mean, Ex- you know exactly. Exactly. They wouldn't have they wouldn't be able to do 25 seasons if they didn't have a little acting yeah. ability. Hey, let me know when you get this uh, uh the exorcist guy on. Um one of the guys that uh he's a pastor at one of the churches that came to visit the church that we go to once in a while. Mm-hmm. And he's about close to 80 and he's had a lot of experiences with uh possession and stuff like that. He just said just some wild, wild stuff, but I'd be interested in talking to that guy. Cause I firmly believe in that where they can possess like the movie, the exorcist kind of took it to a new head, but right. I believe possibility there. That is the only movie as a grown adult that still scares the crap out of oh, me. Oh God. The rest of them are dumb or they're bloody slasher flicks and we get it. Okay. It's fun. Yeah. But something like that, I was up for, I was a, t- a young teenager when I first saw that movie and I was awake in my room for a couple of days. I'm not scared to admit Yep. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I had the lights on. That something about that really scares people yep. in, at a deeper level than the slasher in the closet or some dumb thing like that. You know, yeah. right? The Exorcist. I the same. I've I've never been scared by a movie, but I I love horror movies because I want to be scared by. It, but nothing like that. That's more of like a psychological. I think because oh yeah, that's what that. Is. I, I can't think of anything scarier than a, you know, quote unquote demon taking over your body and making you do, I mean, the physical, oh, it's just horrifying. Even if oh, I so see, well oh yeah. And it's old too. what, 40, 50 years old? 73. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still terrifying. I I just turned 18. Me and my girlfriend went and saw it. It freaked me out for like God months after. (laughs) You didn't hear that though. Just hold me, baby. I'll take care of you. I'll protect you. Let's go get some peace soup after this. Yeah. (laughs) We went home and went to bed and said, do you mind if I leave the light on? (laughs) Are you want me to leave the light on for you? Yeah. Yeah, This will protect you. (laughs) Why are you sleeping with a rosary? (laughs) Right. So, so hold on. So this guy, is he, a, did you say he's the priest? Yeah. Not a priest. He's a uh, pastor of a church. Or the pastor. He's, excuse me. Yeah. It's a non, non-denominational church, but he's been around for years and years and years, but he's been a part of a lot of exorcisms is what he was talking about on that. But he's got some really creepy stories of stuff. I mean, just uh, things he's told us about, because we were talking about, um, possession and stuff like that and i didn't know this guy was involved in all that stuff and then dave introduced me to him when he came to visit and i asked him about it and he said oh yeah he says it's real he said i've been involved in a few of them so yeah real did he go into any more detail he had one there was a guy in seattle uh that was in his probably 40s or 50s that um was having all sorts of issues throwing up all the time um, screaming in, in the middle of the night for no reason at all. Uh, they found claw marks on his chest and they didn't know if he scratched, but they said it in order to scratch himself, he said his hands were kind of small, but these scratch marks had the hands had to be 10 to 12 inches. I mean, the nails had to be 10 to 12 inches Holy long. Shit. But they did the exorcism on him and he said it took a couple, couple days to do it, but they got him back to kind of normal. But he said when the spirit seemed to leave his body. He said the whole room shook 
almost like an earthquake on that. It's like, really? Geez. Yeah. <laughs> so just like the movie, didn't that happen in the movie? Yeah. Oh yeah. Stuff moving around all that. And I, oh. I, he didn't talk much about it. He said, I asked him if it freaked him out. He goes, no, he says, my faith is pretty strong. He said, I don't think they can attack me if they do. What can I do? You know? Oh my gosh. So do you think yeah, that's it, it's so creepy? So do you think that's possible? Do you think being possessed is possible? Both of you? I do. I, I really do. I think there's a possibility of it. And I've heard stories about it. I've seen TV shows that seem pretty on the level about it. And it's talking to this guy. And I don't think he had any reason to lie about it. Right. You know, pretty sharp character, actually. But yeah, interesting. What do you think, Eric? I think there's a, there's a, a, a real psychological element to it where um, there's uh, too much stuff has happened and is too well documented to just dismiss it as a hoax. There's a lot of people out there that just, you know, just are fakers, obviously. Yeah. But at the same time, going way, way, way back, hundreds of years, this has been something that has been documented. And, uh, you know, it's pretty wild. I, you know, you would think with today's technology, even just with better video cameras and audio recording, um, that you'd be able to capture more of this stuff. But you always hear about the cases where, um, people hear stuff or see things and there's a camera running or a microphone going and you just can't, they, it's just not picked up. Yeah. There's that movie, the criticism of Audrey Rose. I don't know if you ever seen Oh that. yeah. I remember that. That's an old one. Yeah. yeah. But what like, is that's it? Pretty, it's called the exorcism of Audrey Rose. Oh yeah. Uh, this lady that was possessed and they have, uh, they actually have physical video of what went on in some of these uh, things, but yeah, it's pretty creepy. Oh, it's been years since I since I've seen that, but I think I remember they put the actual video. That's what you're saying, right? Of yeah. some of the exorcisms. Oh my yeah. gosh. Crazy. Now the guy you're interviewing, is he part of the Catholic church or? Yeah. He's uh they, they call him the American exorcist. Cause he's from, yeah. cause he's from America, but yeah, he's uh you know, he's yeah. That he was, you know, that he was the lead, the lead exorcist, like all the exorcism requests come to him and he yeah. decides if he's going to do them or not, if they're real or not. Now, I wonder, ask him, you talk to him, do you know how old this guy is or? Um, he looks, I don't, but he looks like he's probably sixties. Oh, okay. Cause there's a, a cathedral here in Spokane. It's called Our Lady of Lourdes, which is downtown. Uh -huh. And this was back in the sixties or seventies. Um, it, they had some of the statues. There were statues of Mary and Joseph and all this stuff. Um, there were candles that were tipped over and they had actual, looked like blood coming out of the eyes of some of the statues. So they actually called in an exorcist for that, for that church. And they actually did a complete exorcism on it, but just weird stuff going. That's documented through the Catholic church. It's called Our Lady of Lourdes, Spokane. I think I've heard that. Were you, did you see any of it? No, no. Uh, I, I just remember the stories about it. And they had an article in the Spokesman Review about it back then too. I think I remember hearing about that. And just during services and stuff, statues would tip over or candles would blow out and light up by the stars. And yeah, that's creepy. Oh, that's so creepy. Have you heard of the guy that did the Exorcist movie? I think he based it on that because, you know, it's based on an actual case, supposedly. Right. Yeah. So Will, I think it's William Friedkin. Is the one that William really Freakin directed it. Uh, William Peter Blatty wrote it. Blatty bro wrote it, right? So I think it was Friedkin that did the documentary a couple years ago of Father Amor and followed him around, and he still goes around and does the exorcisms. And they show, they do show one on there. I, I don't. I mean, it's not. You know, it's not violent. 
it wasn't anything like the movie. So it was just, he said it was a light possession or something like that. Yeah. Guy sure. tried to, guy tried to sell him a car that he didn't want. I think it's going to happen. <laughs> There's too many things that can't be explained. That's why it's fascinating to talk about. Isn't it? And that's where I keep coming back to is you just can't. There's too much you can't explain. There's got to be something going on because you can't explain so much of it. Yeah, I got to hear the one where you interview the guy that's the exorcist. That's got to be a great, uh, great, great interview. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. That'll be, that'll be crazy. You ought to ask that guy that has done the exorcisms too. I would love to talk to him. Yeah. He's supposed to be back in, uh, I think next month he comes in once in a while. I'll I'll see it and see if I can get some stories out of him. But when he tells him, he just says, you know, a lot of these I can't talk about because it's just so private. And those are the ones you really want to hear. Yeah, exactly. those are the ones I want to talk to me about. You know? exactly. Is the piece real or is yeah. it just, you know. Right. Then your mind well, just runs wild with it. You know, was it pea soup or bean with bacon? You don't know. <laughs> um, was it cold? <laughs> <laughs> you just don't know if they're telling the truth about it. About the pea soup. <laughs> So the actual story of the exorcism, I believe they said they could not get the kid better because I think it was a boy in real life, right? They couldn't get him better. And one of the nurses went and put a figure of, was it the angel Gabriel? Is that probably the yeah. protector? Or Michael. Yeah, it was one of the, the protector one. Whatever one's a protector. Probably that's Gabriel, yeah. Gabriel, okay. They went and put the statue on his nightstand because... None of the exorcisms were working. And then I guess within a week, he was completely, completely better. Uh, this this is a true, true story. This involves me. When I was four years old, um, I was having dizzy spells really bad. And uh, they uh, did x-rays of my head. And they told my mom and dad that I had a brain tumor. And I got put in the hospital. And they did x-rays. And there was a dot about, about the size of a golf ball uh, next to my brain. And they did x-rays and stuff. So they had me in. I was in the hospital four years old for six weeks. And back then, they'd only allow visitors in for two hours a day. So being four years old, I was in the hospital all by myself. And they did an operation where they drilled two holes in the back of my head. And they drained all the brain fluid out so they could see the tumor better. And the night before they did the surgery, that was a couple nights before, a nun came in. Do you know what a scapular is? Uh-uh. It's a Christian. When you, uh, when you talk to this guy that does the exorcist, ask him about a, uh, exorcism, ask him about a scapular. Okay. And what it is on one side is a picture of Jesus. On the other side is a picture of, it's called the seven sorrows of Jesus, where it's a heart with seven swords stuck into it. And a nun came in the night before that they did, two nights before they did my surgery, and she put a scapular on me around my neck. And I still have the scapula. This is when I was four years old. I kept it. I still have it. But when they did the x-rays the next morning, there was no tumor left on my head at all. There was nothing there. And the way the doctors explained it said it could have been a misstep on the x-ray, something that got in there and stuff like that. But but they never did any surgery. No surgery. No, they did the drain, put the stuff back. And then the next day they were supposed to do the surgery. Next two days. But she came in that night. And I still remember the nun that did it. I remember laying in bed. And she had those uh, glasses with the beads hanging down. You know how they used to drop them? Yeah. If you lean over the bed and it freaked me out, put it on my neck and stuff. <laughs> that's a 100% true story. Dude. Yeah. That's insane. Oh. That So that remind real quick, let me, it's, um, my little brother, this reminded me of that kind of, my little brother, he was probably, 
I think it was probably seven or eight, nine, somewhere around there. It was the 4th of July. The whole family was there. And someone had lit off one of those tanks, you know, that shoots. It kind of rolls, oh, yeah. rolls and shoots and then kind of explodes. One of them came and hit him on the neck and exploded and, you know, burned like a whole, his, basically this whole side of his neck off was completely burned off the skin, not, not anything inside, but all the skin and everything. So you could see his whole inside, basically big, big chunk of it. So my uncle's a doctor. He was an ER doctor. And he said, you know, we, this, he's got to get the grafts and everything, you know, it's, it's going to be tons, lots of surgery, that kind of stuff. One side of my family is, was very, is very religious and they did a blessing, you know, with the holy oil and all that, that night before going to bed. And then in the morning was supposed to be the surgeries. And in the morning woke up and it was basically healed. It, the whole thing was healed by the next morning, by the time we woke wow. up. So that was pretty wild. Yeah. That's wild. Good for him. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. And I believe in faith healing for stuff like that. That's extremely possible. And seeing that happen to me, I mean, yeah. there's no explanation for it. The doctors still say, oh, it could have been a fuck up on the x-ray, but. Right. My phone saw the x-rays and they said, there's no freaking way. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like yeah it, just when you ask this guy, this Catholic, I ask him about the scapular. the scapular. It's been involved with a lot of healings and stuff. Scapular. Can you, would you, uh, you got my cell right. Could you send me a picture of it? Oh, yeah. Just, uh, yeah, I don't that'll know help me. It'll help. No, not, it doesn't have to be right now, but just, yeah, just whenever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll send you both sides of it so you can see it. Yeah, I'd love, to, I'd love to see it. That'll help me remember too. Yeah, I'll send you a picture of it today when I get home. Awesome. I, I'm, I, I didn't forget about it, but I thought that'd be a great story to throw in. Yeah. Oh, that's insane. All right, cool. Thank you. Sorry about the uh, technical delays again, gentlemen. Not at all. Glad to talk to you. That's yeah. pretty fun. Yeah, this was a hey, blast. Michael, we'll do it more. We'll have to. Yeah. Before you go. I'm being attacked <laughs> after this commercial. <laughs> right after this. Thanks uh, again, Michael. Good, good talking to you, man. Great Love talking you, to you guys. Thank you. Love you. Take we'll care, sir. You. Happy okay. Halloween. Happy Halloween. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good one. Thank you again for yeah, doing bye. this. Okay. Peace out. See you, brother.